Thank you for tuning in to State of the Arts, a podcast where art forms are embraced and artists are celebrated. I'm Lee, your hostess of Ceremonies, and this is episode 61. My guest this week is Brenda Neville. Uh, she is a ballet dancer. She choreographed and danced internationally with several prestigious ballet companies, including Covenant Ballet. She's an, also an accomplished actress and singer who had trained at the Lee Strasberg Actors Studio in New York City. Uh, she not only has training in ballet, she also has training in world dances, flamenco, ballroom, and Argentine tango. Uh, she's trained with renowned dancers and performed in prestigious dance schools. She teaches at Steps on Broadway, Covenant Ballet, the Ailey School, and guest teaches all around the US. Her students have been accepted into some of the most reputable dance programs, colleges, and companies in the country. She has also been in a documentary directed by the renowned Ron Howard called On Point. She is a renowned point shoe fitter, She's a graduate of Butler University in Indianapolis. Uh, she has a BA in dance, cum laude. Uh, she's the co-founder of World Dance Theater. And now Brenda is an ABT certified teacher who has successfully completed the ABT teacher training intensive in primary level five of the ABT national training curriculum. She is also the founder of Neville Dance Theater and she used to be my Argentine tango instructor. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, and it is because of her encouragement and teaching style and setting such a great example that she has inspired me throughout the years to stick with my dreams. And today I'm a certified American Rhythm and Smooth Ballroom Dance Instructor. I certified at Mendate Studio in Queens. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. This is such an incredible honor to have you on my podcast. I am thrilled to be here. It is so nice to be speaking with you and reconnecting. Uh, I think this is gonna be super fun. Yes, I absolutely agree. It's so exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Brenda Neville. Um, I was raised in the upper Midwest, um, all around different areas, the Chicago area, Milwaukee area, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Iowa, Indianapolis. Um, and then I transplanted to New York City upon graduating from college. Um, where I have now been more than half my life, but I can officially say that I'm equally comfortable being a farm girl, as well as a city slicker and an international traveler. <laughs> uh, for those of you who can't see, since this is a podcast, I'm tall, I have blonde hair, I'm exceptionally loyal, supportive, considerate, and fair. I'm a firm believer in personal accountability for everyone. Also believe in generously giving recognition where it's due. I authentically count my blessings. Um, many people are always very surprised to learn um, how accepting and adventurous I am. And they are also always surprised at how witty, laid back and intelligent I am. Probably because being a blonde, they have the stereotype <laughs> that I might not be those things. Um, some, fun, some fun facts is um, that people are somewhat surprised to learn about me and I thought I would share is um, 
when I was a teenager, I was a punk rocker back in the 80s, early 90s. I did I not come, know Yes, yeah, see, see, <laughs> I come from a very musical family. Um, I toured with the Grateful Dead for a bit of time. I lived out of my car and I did hair wraps for a living. Do you didn't know that either, did you? No, that's <laughs> incredible. And, and I can toss a 20 inch pizza. <gasps> Where'd you learn oh. that? I worked as a pizza as a pizza maker for a while. <laughs> so, you know, I can always be hardy, uh, hired for parties and events if you need pizza. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first discover your talent and passion for the arts? Well, as far as dance is concerned, um, I think I have to attribute it to my mother. Uh, like I said, most of my family was, it's a very musical family. I have an older sister, younger brother, father, they were all musicians followed that path, but my mom really, really loved the movie musicals of the 50s and 60s. Uh, we're talking about like Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, Gene Kelly, movies like The Sound of Music, all that stuff. And so she had put myself and my older sister in ballet class. I, I was uh, put into class when I was about five years old. Um, my sister, who is a big talker, she loves to express herself verbally, of course, hated every moment of it because we couldn't talk. Myself being uh, very shy and reserved and um, quiet at the time, I loved it immediately because I didn't have to talk. <laughs> um, you know, and I liked the physicality of it. Um, it seemed that I was very accepted. Um, I seemed to do well. You know, I was always being pulled to the front of the room to stand in the front, demonstrate things. So you know, I felt like it was a warm place and a, a place where I was recognized. Um, whereas in most other aspects of my life, since I was so quiet and reserved, I really kind of felt like I was overlooked a lot and a little bit like, like a ghost, as many people I'm sure can relate to. Um, and I just immediately fell in love with the, the camaraderie and, you know, the family that the dance schools and dance companies have. And also how, um, accepting they really seem to be, you know, um, there really aren't, you know, as long as you can have good turnout, fairly good leg extensions and flexible feet, that's all they really care about. <laughs> you know, they don't really care about, you know, racial dis discrimination and, you know, lifestyles and things like that. It, that has never been from my understanding an issue whatsoever. Um, but yeah, if you don't have flexible feet, you could be in big trouble. <laughs> in addition to dance you are also a trained singer and actress how do the three art forms interconnect well i think i think all the art forms i mean really they overlap quite a bit in three ways they're all a means of storytelling um they all have very distinct you know, a very distinct technical foundation, which requires, you know, exceptional training and ability for. But on top of all of them, there's also a lot of, you know, freedom for artistic expression. So in that ways, I feel like they're all, they're all connected in a way. And they kind of overlap and merge, um, but very different techniques to get there. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. And it's all expression. 
to yes, music. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's it's ways in which you can explore your world and and your opinions and you know try to find out the opinions of others you know a bit of a, a safe space you know and also to kind of approach subjects that you might not be able to in just normal everyday conversation or environments so you know the arts are super important yes they are definitely for expression and all of yeah. what you just said yeah and how does the foundation of ballet help a dancer who is being educated in other forms of dances? Well, ballet definitely has always been coined as the foundation of, of most of all the other dance styles. Uh, I definitely think that's true in, in many of them. I mean, you know, it definitely teaches the aesthetics of line, body shape, movement qualities, phrasing, full coordination, musicality, all of these things, and uh, definitely paved the way and was, you know, one of the, the foundational dance forms that then led to, you know, modern dance, postmodern dance, contemporary dance, neoclassical. But I have to say, just looking back, because not only did I do ballet and modern and classical and contemporary and all those things, I also did a lot of musical theater and world dance styles, as you mentioned in the beginning, like particularly flamenco, Irish step dancing, even Mexican folklorico, that kind of stuff. And I have to say what I really drew upon as far as a foundational technique wasn't so much ballet, it was actually tap. Wow. Tap is really instrumental to so many other dance styles. There's a lot that I really don't think I could have done what I had done and performed flamenco and Irish and all this other stuff if I hadn't done tap. I mean, tap just treat, teaches, and all the, the, the rhythmical, you know, footwork dance styles, they, they teach at such a more complex level, the musicality and technical phrasing, um, rhythm, that, that ballet doesn't quite doesn't quite get to that level, I would say. Um, although a lot of that is changing, especially with contemporary styles and improvisational styles and things like that. So, um, and then ballroom dancing, just overall, I guess, coordination, yeah, came from ballet. And that really helped with ballroom dancing. But um, ballroom dancing is so unique because it has true lead follow, you know, partnering. Yes. And and even though I had taken partnering in ballet, they're not similar. They're really very different. You know, the ballet partnering is really just about lifts, keeping one dancer on balance most of the time. Um, but you're not really, you know, instructing them how to do anything or what's going to come next and so on and so forth, like in ballroom dance. Learning ballroom dance was a really big eye opener with lead follow and it was uh it's very addictive right yes definitely <laughs> addictive got to be careful <laughs> i found it very hard learning the the leaders mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Role, which is very important as an instructor you, you have to know the leaders well yes yes you do because they're the ones making all the decisions ballet and and even modern and contemporary and all this stuff that kind of dancing it's 
it's very choreographed, you know. Um, although a lot, a lot more of the times, and even in my own company, I've been trying to bring in elements of improvisation and so forth. But they're they're really choreographed um, dance styles. But things like you know tap and flamenco and ballroom dancing and and even you know all the street styles, they're all about improvisation and just reacting, following the musicians. So very very different animals. Very different animals. Definitely. What was the process you went through to become a point shoot better? Obviously, as a dancer myself, you know, throughout my entire personal dance career, I was wearing point shoes. So learned a lot about the different styles and things like that. And obviously sizing, box, you know, box sizes, things like that from my own experience. But really it was on the job training. I, I became one of the first core staff members for Gaynor Minden, which was a new brand of point shoe at the time. This was like in the early-ish 1990s. Um, and the, the Gaynor Minden point shoe had just been made and it was made out of revolutionary materials, um, thing, materials that no other point shoe had ever been made out of. So really fitting those was, uh, we had to kind of invent it as we went along. And we did a lot of testing and research and trials and surveys and all kinds of things. And we literally wrote the fitting manual for how to fit those shoes. So it was definitely a learning process. And then later on, I ended up switching and going over and working for Freed, Freed of London, which is um, you know a world-renowned point shoe brand originating in England. But it's still um, definitely the standard what's called a paste shoe. And in my time there for over 13 years, you know, I was the US retail sales team leader. I oversaw the New York City showroom um, and I would travel every single summer to all these different, you know, um, pre-professional schools, you know, Boston Ballet, Miami City Ballet, San Francisco, Seattle, and everywhere in between and work with dancers one-on-one, -on -one, fitting them in the shoes. It was, a, it was a thrill to be a part of that documentary, the Ron Howard documentary you were talking about. What was that experience like? I mean, really, I was just doing what I always do and they were filming. <laughs> Quality around. But, but one of the things I loved, I, you know, in the years that I had working with Freed is I really, really did love working with all of the School of American Ballet students. And, you know, I would work with them from their very first, you know, point shoe fitting ever, like what it shows in the On Point series. That's what I'm doing for some of those girls. And being able to kind of schedule, you know, carve out time for things that are important, be able to adhere to the schedule. You can't be too much of a procrastinator. Uh, that's key. Learned that. Um, but at the same time, you really have to know the importance of when to stop get up from the desk, walk away, spend time with friends, family, loved ones, self-care, all of these things, they're so important, you know, and I know uh, a lot of times when I was starting out with my dance career, you know, I was so passionate about it, you know, you just, and I feel, I think everybody probably feels that way. You just, you just have blinders on, you know, you're just like, you can only see that tunnel and that's, that's the only thing you're, you're going down and you're consumed you do have to find a balance. 
And by balancing and, and having other aspects in your life, it just also makes, I think, artists more well-rounded and better as artists. Of course. If you have that downtime, once you're working again, it makes your work even better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. Reflection is so important. I, I never really realized, especially I think that's within the pandemic, that's one thing that um, I am thankful for is it's really given me more time to reflect. And with that, I've realized how greatly important it is. Um, and, I, and I hadn't really known to, to such an extent how important it really was to kind of spend time reflecting and taking stock of things and just thinking about things and, and letting that impact you and lead you and guide you into new directions and where you want to go. A blessing in disguise to have this time to stay home and you know and just reflect yeah life yeah definitely what should be doing i think a lot of uh, so many people are doing that now and they're making it's really helping them make big life changes sometimes yeah. or or if anything they're just gaining more appreciation for the things that they do do you know they're they're realizing how much they really like what they're doing and and they're just even more i think contented in where they're at it's the silver lining yeah absolutely how did Neville Dance Theater develop? As you mentioned, I, I had, you know, quite a long dance career in many different facets, which I was always so grateful for, because um, I ended up loving aspects about everything. Um, but back in 2005, I had, I was still involved with one company in particular. It was an international touring company called All Nations. And before that, I had been in involved in classical ballet companies, contemporary dance companies, modern, et cetera. But this one was the one where I got to do so many other just amazingly cool dance forms like Argentine tango, flamenco, Irish step dance, the stuff we talked about. Um, and unfortunately the artistic director was, you know, getting older and needed to, you know, retire and wasn't that interested in passing the company on to, you know, someone else. So the company was closing and I found myself in a position where I'm like, you know, I was also getting older, so I might not, you know, I might need to be retiring as a performer as well, a couple of years down the road, germinating in me for a couple of years as well. I was starting to feel like I had a lot of ideas choreographically that I'd like to explore myself, a lot of production qualities and things that I'd be like, you know, daydreaming and being like, oh, I wish I could do a production. And, you know, you know, I started to have my own dreams in that way and not just being a dancer, a performer. So when I realized that the company was going to close, the crossroads that I was kind of facing was like, okay, well, I'm probably going to have to pick what kind of dance style I want to do, because there's really not a lot of companies where you can do this kind of a, have a, this kind of a diversity in your repertory roster, you know? And that made me really sad, you know, like I didn't wanna just try to go and audition for another classical or contemporary dance company. Cause then I knew I wouldn't be able to do Argentine tango and flamenco or any of this stuff anymore. You know, no matter what I looked at I felt like I was gonna have to really sacrifice and give up a lot. So I started really realizing the only way I could maybe maintain that is to start my own company. Um, and so that's, that's what I did, you know, so I did it so that I could have the flexibility 
to draw from all these different, you know, dance styles that I had, start to use my own voice as, you know, an artistic expression to look creatively at the world and create dances. Um, and I also really wanted to kind of pass on the opportunities to other dancers to perform. So that was, that was an important part to me too, um, was actually being a director. And so that's when Neville Dance Theater started and we're, we're now into our 17th year. Wow, that's great. Yeah. That's been a ride. Definitely not, a, not one on a nice lazy river. It's definitely been a roller coaster, but, but that's made it even more fun. Definitely more fun. That's great. Yeah, you need all that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what are the most important parts of a dance education, would you say? So much. I mean, I think everybody knows that it's clearly important to become good at your art form, the technique of it, the artistry of it. There's, there's never any question with that. There are other components that don't get taught or shared, um, which I wish, you know, college programs and things would maybe offer a little bit, shed more light into. Um, and that's really the more the, the professional responsibility side of being an artist. Uh, you know, you, it's really important that you understand what the needs are of companies. And I don't think a lot of dancers really do, you know, that at least not, I'll just speak for dancers anyway, because that's what I have the most experience with. And I didn't either, you know, I came out of college, I was raring to go. I'm like, I just want to dance, you know, I just want to dance. That's what I've trained for. That's what I've done. And I didn't understand the business aspect. But now being on the other side, it's so important. And really dancers, it doesn't sound very, um, you know, warm and fuzzy, but dance companies and organizations are really investing in dancers. You know, they pay for them to learn repertoire, to rehearse. It's an investment. And there really is an expectation that artists are going to stick around for a while, you know? So basically that, you know, companies can kind of get a return on their investment. And that, and with that goes, you know, being available for performances, uh, being, you know, having a, a very strong sense of commitment, showing up on time, being respectful of each other, um, you know, being positive. Your coworker, you know, you're with a group, you know, you want everyone in the group to get along well and to be able to work together well, but there is a lot of professional responsibility and, and it's, and I also don't think dancers understand the role they play and the expectation that they really do have to be able to draw in an audience. Yes. You know, they have to be able to have people that want to come and see them. And I, I know first and foremost that a lot of dancers do not think that that's really their responsibility, but uh, you know, from an organizational point of view, it is. And, you know, that's number one reason why they have headliners come in and fill the main, the main characters of Broadway shows and movies and everything else, too. If you're not an artist who has a following and who works on that and can help sell tickets for the companies that you're working with, that's going to hinder everybody. Yeah, of course. You know, so 
it, it's just things like that, you know, that that dancers never, I think, even think about when they're in school studying. And what's been the most rewarding aspect about your involvement in the arts? Oh, well, I know no matter what jobs and no matter what I've been involved in throughout my whole life, I've had two pretty main interests and that's getting to know other people and the world around me. And my main passion in life has obviously been dance. And so I'm just, it's been so rewarding to be able to use the vehicle of dance to continually be able to fulfill these interests of mine, of being able to get to know others in the world around me. And, and on top of that, having started Neville Dance Theater, that brings so much reward too, because it also provides opportunities for others you know, for other dancers who are dreaming of having, you know, performance opportunities for people who want to become involved in the arts, you know, it's a vehicle to allow them to do that. So I, you know, I feel like it's a way that I can kind of give back and it's that in and of itself too is super rewarding. Beautiful. How can somebody reach you if they're interested in a dance education or performance or in purchasing point shoots? Well, we are online. Uh, NevilleDance.org has everything there. Um, and also you can follow us on social media, Neville Dance Theater. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I can, I still can also give, you know, individual point shoe consultations. I do teach at several places in and around the city. I can give privates as well, coaching. And of course, the company always has auditions. We have volunteer opportunities, business opportunities for employment, all kinds of stuff. So oh, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Are you working on any future projects you can let us in on before we sign off? Oh, yeah, we have a, a, a performance coming up in New York City at the K&J Theater, and that is going to be on March 12th which we are super excited about. That'll be our first performance of 2022. And we are definitely getting a full calendar for at least through summer, for sure. We're gonna be doing some touring um, in the summer to upstate New York, Pennsylvania, and many other things in between, so. Oh, that's fabulous. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining me. This was such a wonderful episode. I'm so happy that you're my guest. And kind too kind <laughs> it's been an honor I was so excited <laughs> when I reached out to you oh well I hope some of the things I've shared you know hit some kind of chord with your listeners or you know provide some kind of inspiration or guidance or, or help to anybody else I'm sure it did absolutely and I want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of State of the Arts. Be true to your dreams, be positive, and stay safe out there.